G'day beer lovers and welcome to The Antidote, a series of special episodes of Brews News Live. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and this is episode nine. In this series, we hope to engage Ten. with the beer community. Ten, mate. Ten, is it? Yeah, it's, it's Friday. Friday. Oh, it's Friday. Friday. Um, in this series, we hope to engage with the beer community to share their insights, get some ideas and strategies, and to provide an online gathering place. It's a virtual beer garden, and we welcome you all. Today, we head to Sydney to check in with uh, Fran Ganjemi, uh, who is ex-Kegstar, but is going to talk to us about uh, keeping our venues alive, and with Gillian Leatham from The Woods, a bar venue in Brisbane. And I'm joined each day by my Bruce Newsweek co-host and good mate, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. G'day, Pete. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, beer o'clock, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm having a Slipstream Billy Cart Pale Ale. Uh, is that their, their rye pale? That is their rye the Billy pale. Cart? Yeah, it's a mid-strength. Yeah. So lo- lovely, uh, just, yeah. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, I'm not the only one who didn't remember what day it was. I, I, and well, was I can't believe I've missed that it's Friday and I'm the one who's been saying, hey, look on the bright side, every day is Friday at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yesterday I couldn't believe that it was um, time to record Brews News Week. So uh, mm. I, 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 I'm with you there, Pete. Yeah, well, I'm drinking a uh, Wolf of the Willows XPA as we speak and it's uh, quite refreshing. Well, I was just saying, like, my, I, I, not, not, not that it was very full to begin with, but this was my last can of beer in the fridge because I haven't been at the office. I think we've been getting some deliveries, but most of them would have gone to the office. So I'd better go up over the weekend and collect them. But I am going to have to uh, jump on after the show and you know get on some of these. Either actually, no, I won't click and collect because I'll have had a beer, but I will um, do some ordering. So next week I've got a couple of uh, care packages turning up. Excellent. Um, now, are you drinking from a stemmed glass or perhaps one of your favoured Zarm glasses or are you drinking from uh, perhaps a milk bottle? <laughs> yes. So you, you, you saw that. No, I'm drinking from the can. Don't tell anyone. Um, uh. Luckily, we're not on live uh, podcast. Um, yeah, yeah what, wasn't that a just great little story? Away, um, yeah, milk bottles replacing growlers. Does that mean, can we see the return of the bottle-o? Well, the, the milk-o. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, look, it, it, it was a nice little story today because in, in Queensland, and absolutely no criticism. I know brewers were a little bit sort of antsy when um, the, the Queensland government came out, I think it was a liquor licence, came out and said that they were putting a ban on refillable growlers. Um, and that was because of concerns for the growlers themselves, um, you know, sort of coming, coming back, but then also the handling. And like a lot of coffee shops are not... Um, refilling um, paper cups just for the risk of transmission. And it, admittedly, it might be fairly light. Well, they're going back to paper cups. They won't do keep cups. Yeah, they so won't do you, keep if, cups. Yeah, yeah, if you bring your own in, no, sorry, we're not touching it. Yeah, and even um, uh, my daughter works at a coffee shop and like they're not riding on the lip of the, you know, on, on the um, um, cover, the, the plastic uh, cup lid. Um, they're putting a post-it note in front of it, so there's no touching. And like it, 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 But as somebody pointed out the other day, you're only allowed one person in your shop at a time. Why ask them your name? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, but yeah, and, and look, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm on the sort of mindset of you know, cut the government some slack, you know, cut the legislative body some slack. This is, dare I say it, um, for the first time today, unprecedented. Like everybody's making it up as they go along, trying to do the best that they it's can. It's a fluid situation, Matt. It is very much as we sort of pivot towards the new norm. Um, but um, yeah, so. Trying to do it, and and the other thing about things like this, um, I, I've I've seen a lot of 
you know, sort of medical people who are you know, strict medical opinion, uh, people, you know, looking at it and saying, um, you know, if we really wanted to do this, this is how we should be doing it. And I, sometimes I think they miss the point that, um, like I, I even saw a doctor saying, you know, don't confine people inside because they'd be better outside because of the air's fresher and things like that. And I think, you know, in, in times like this, it's if you tell people, look, get outside, then sometimes the seriousness of the situation isn't impressed on them. And, yeah, so, look, the, the whole growler thing, maybe, maybe not. Breweries are very, um, you know, have got sanitation, you know, very well sorted. And, you know, they've, they've got litres of sanitizer that they can sort of clean um, things with. But, anyway, the whole rabbit hole there. Um, trying to get beer out of kegs um, has been a real problem because people can't... And, you know, growlers are bloody expensive. Um, we've talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah. So a, a couple of the breweries just ordered some of the plastic two-litre um, uh, milk cartons as a one-use thing. Um, and like, I just sort of thought, you know, how's that for inventive? Great idea. You know, come down, get your two-litres, um, and, you know, brilliant stuff. Yeah, uh, good, good to see. I, I, somebody did post in the Australian Brews News uh, Facebook page that, uh, and I assume it was a, a New Zealander, because um, they have the there's like a brown uh, PET bottle, and I'm pretty sure Coopers for a while at least when I was home brewing, brought out a, a PET bottle with a brown, screw cap. Brown PET bottles, yeah. Yeah, and they were because they had the uh, like the punt in the bottom, and they were dimpled and whatever in the bottom. Uh, they were better able to hold the pressure and that sort of thing. Uh, so I think it, look, if it's a single use, yeah, that's fine. And, it, and if it gets you, you know, and back home and yep. it's, you know, it's look, two litres of beer, if you were to drink that a couple, you know, while you're prepping dinner, uh, one with dinner and, and a couple after, you, it's probably not going to be at its best the next day. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, but, and it's, look, but it's, but it's a, again, it just shows, and it's what we've, we've spoken so much about, I, I, what I really love about um, particularly Australians, you know, under pressure, in a crisis, innovation comes to the fore. No, no one's going to sort of say it's the best way of doing it, but as we said, we live in unprecedented times, Pete, and it calls for That's unprecedented right. measures. Uh, interesting, interesting times, mate. <laughs> interesting so. times. Yeah, we've given them bingo in the first three minutes, although <laughs> uh, we're, we're missing uh, all in this together and handed a lifeline. We'll get um, there. Don't worry. Now, we've got a couple of guests today, and we've, we've kind of, not deliberately, but it's, it's kind of become Female Friday. Not well, no, for, for, for no particular for no particular reason, um, you know. Just uh, I've been speaking to. We've talked a lot about um, keeping local alive. Um, fantastic craft beer, probably more craft beer specific, um, because it, it it's the brewers and you know we're a, a beer show, but at the same time um, we need when when things go back we need venues who can can take beer um, and you know they the um, hotels um, have got a have got their own concerns and so yeah so I wanted to speak to um, Fran Ganjemi from uh, the keeping local live uh, so not from sorry <laughs> not keeping um, keep our venues open um, just to find out a little bit more uh, you know about that broader industry perspective Fran welcome well, to the, the oh gone have you got Fran ready to go have I got Fran yes, there? I'm here. Yes, I'm here. Hi. Good. Hey, Fran, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, they, all of these campaign names that are similar are, are causing great confusion. It's Keep Our Venues Alive or COVA uh, is, is the one that we're running. 
so tell us a little bit about you know, the, the background to it. I know it's the Nighttime Industry Association that we, you know, very successfully um, campaigned against uh, some of the New South Wales lockdown laws. Um, they've kicked it off. But who, you know, who's behind it? How broad is it? Is it national? Um, yeah, just tell us about it. Yeah, it, it is national now. So you're right, the NTAA um, used to be a Sydney-focused group and, and that gave them some, some good success in, in lifting the lockout laws. But, you know, COVID-19 uh, doesn't really discriminate between cities and towns. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, the board of the NTAA decided that um, they really needed to broaden their focus beyond Sydney and, and give a national campaign a crack. So they've brought in some other groups from across the industry to join in some of their industry associations across, you know, spirits and, and beer and, um, and just others uh, around the industry across media, et cetera. So um, it really just started uh, with the purpose of trying to support businesses in and around the hospo sector through the, the COVID-19 crisis. So we wanted to make sure that hospo wasn't forgotten uh, and in fact was actually specifically being considered by government, um, particularly our end of the, of the sector. So our purpose hasn't really changed, even though uh, everything has been changing on a, on a daily basis. We're, we're pretty much still... Uh, have the same purpose, but what we've been doing to achieve that purposes has changed almost every day. So it's a really <laughs> fluid situation, as as you know. Um, in response to there being almost daily announcements, where uh, we have almost daily actions and reactions to all of those. So it's been a bit of a sprint, um, and it's a it's entirely a group of, of volunteers, um, pretty much all of whom haven't even met in real life before. So it's been uh, it's been interesting uh, working so closely with a bunch of people that um, have never laid eyes on each other in real life. So yeah, what we did was, um, and I was saying this to Matt this morning, that a couple of days ago, we actually stopped as a management team for the campaign and and took a bit of a deep breath breath to redefine what our mission is. Uh, you know, now that we're in this world two weeks later of mandated shutdowns and physical distancing and job keeper schemes, which had just been announced. So unfortunately that's now a world where, you know, three weeks ago, there are now hospital businesses that are on the verge of collapse and, and we're seeing that many of them have, uh, uh, sorry, I'm getting another call from the the chair of our campaign. Uh, <laughs> many, uh, please, maybe he's telling me to, uh, to keep quiet and not give away our secret. No, just joking. Um, he, uh, yeah, so a lot of them uh, are, are telling us that um, they've stood down many of their staff. So so we, we took a deep breath and revamped our, our mission, which uh, thank you, Bruise News, for publishing that yesterday, by the way. Um, I won't read it out uh, now, but basically what we're working towards is is mitigating the human impact on the hospital sector now while all of this chaos is, is happening. And we're also trying to protect the sector in the long term. So we're keeping one eye on, um, you know, how we can uh, secure things now so that the whole industry can ramp up quickly after the, the crisis ends and it, it will end. We just don't know when. Um, so, so yeah, what we've been doing is consistently uh, and we'll continue to work with all three levels of government um, to advocate for the sector um, and so that we can better inform their policy decisions um, on, you know, that impact us now and down the line. So we're collecting more partners and more data um, to help us, you know, to support us with this. Um, and it and it does it does keep changing. One of the other things we're doing, which I know that uh, you guys at Bruise News are doing as well, is uh, we're working really hard on pulling together 
um, some clear and actionable resources on our website, kind of like what you've got, but we're directing ours towards um, our audience um, so that they can try and cut through um, the masses of information out there and, and better understand what relief is actually available to them and, and what rules kind of have been brought in that could apply. So we're actually uh, trying to support the entire hospitality sector. Um, but what we've come to realise, you know, a couple of days ago when we took stock was that our focus has naturally been drawn towards the small to medium independents um, and suppliers to those businesses. And, and that's largely driven by the fact that they're the ones engaging with us the most and choosing to partner with us. I mean, that includes a lot of people in the, in the beer community. So, you know, from a venue perspective, that could be brew bars uh, and then, you know, brewers are suppliers to venues and then the suppliers to the, the brewers. So it's the entire supply chain. All, all will be impacted uh, if the venues don't reopen after a, the, the shutdowns impacted. That's lifted, a really sorry. good um, point because there is a big overlap um, in the campaign, obviously, uh, as I said in the intro, keeping local alive is very, you know, brewery specific. Um, but at the same time, a lot of venues would sort of fit in both camps. And but for the brewers, it's very, very important that when we are able to open, that these small independent um, venues open because it's it's important to the brewing industry as well, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And we were talking about this this morning that. It does actually matter if um, all of these small bars and pubs are uh, up and running or not. It's those, those tend to be the venues that first support, you know, a lot of the innovation and drive the new trends in in beer that that we often see. So we're referring to them as you know, the cutting edge community in hospitality, and it's those venues that um, take a punt on new products and tend to set the price for you know those new premium innovative uh, beers so they do play an important important role and obviously you know extending that beyond um, small bars and pubs you know, our, our restaurant scene is internationally renowned so we want to make sure that all of those small businesses do come back with a, a bit of a vengeance uh, after all of this. Just explain uh, what you mean by up. set the price though um, or, or you know, it, it, do, do bigger venues tend to sort of put more pressure downward pressure on on prices whereas smaller venues are more willing to you know because they want more interesting beers as an attraction for themselves, that they will accept uh, the higher price beers. Yeah, that's that's the implication. And uh, I, I really also from a consumer perspective, if, you, if you're going into uh, a small pub, I live 50 metres from the Royal Albert in Sydney, for example, um, you're, you're always going to be willing uh, as a consumer in a place like that to pay, uh, you know, a bit more for a pint uh, because you are getting that that uh, quality different sort of different sort of beer as opposed to 20 taps um, with, uh, you know, kind of lower price beer. So, yes, that is the answer. And, and I guess those venues are less likely to have substantial tap contracts, which makes them more valuable, like so more viable for the, for the small brewers as well. Yeah, yeah. So who knows what's going to happen? Uh, I keep reading articles about, uh, you know, the changes that are being put in place now, uh, aren't, uh, you know, are, are temporary and will go back to all the rules that applied afterwards. But then you, you read other articles that say actually some really innovative um, ideas and changes to how we're working and how businesses are running now that a lot of people want to, to keep, you know, keep going after uh, COVID is done and dusted. So, yeah, is, I, th I think that's right as well. Fran, do you, is, do, is it your gut feel that, uh, when we do get through all this, 
that perhaps uh, some of your initiatives will be, uh, I, I don't want to say easier to sort of to, to push through, but do you think there will be, I guess, uh, more acceptance of, um, I guess, looking after that, the small, vibrant nighttime economy? Well, that's our goal. So if, if that happens, then uh, that's exactly what we're what we're targeting. Which is why uh, what what we've been talking about is you know hospitality. There's there are advocating groups that um, represent hospitality, but in terms of at the smaller end, what we're trying to do is we we kind of acknowledge that for this to work, we really need ambassadors and and partners um, to so that we form a coalition because there's no real really big group representing that that segment. So we really want to effectively have a bigger um, coalitions so that we can amplify our advocacy efforts. So we want to get a seat at the table and maintain that seat in the long run. So we're hoping that this is lasting, has a lasting impact. Yeah, and I, I guess my point was that I'm hoping that um, there's a silver lining or there's a, you know, the law of <clears> unintended <throat> consequences that um, government, I guess, are, are a little bit more uh, relaxed about um, getting things back to better than normal. Yes. Yep. That's uh, that's the the aim. That's the hope. And I, I guess that's the thing. One of the points listening to the IBA um, board briefing uh, the other day. You know, they've teamed up with the um, Craft Spirits Association be because, as a standalone association, you know, whilst they represent a lot of brewers in the broader scheme of things, they're still not that huge a an association and can't point to you know, huge numbers of members. So I guess joining forces in any way um, you know, with an association like yours would be very valuable in terms of lobbying for those overlapping issues. That's that's exactly right. And that's why we're trying to form as many partnerships as possible. Like, for example, where we've been working with uh, Spirits and Cocktails Australia um, and, and we've, we've had some made some um, really good progress with their health. So, yeah, that's that's the idea. We want to bring as many people together as possible to have a louder voice um, rather than uh, a, a stream of um, lower voices. So in terms of the industry, um, I, last week on social media we shared that you're doing some surveys just to see what the impact of this has been on various aspects of the nighttime industry. Um, and that has informed what your campaign is. And you've also got a petition that you're calling for people to sign. Are those both active campaigns? Yeah, the petition um, really was our, one of our earlier kind of efforts. We've reached 15,000 signatures, which is great. That was really to, to raise awareness and, and get people on board. The surveys were still really um, beating the drum on those. So uh, a lot of your listeners could, um, if they jump on our website, it's keepourvenuesalive.com. Um, there's one survey aimed at venue owners, operators, uh, one for venue workers and another for venue suppliers, which would be uh, a lot of your audience. Um, we really want to hear your stories and so that we can better advocate for you. We're finding that data is really key, really key to that. And we, we also introduced uh, another survey this week uh, in response to the JobKeeper um, uh, scheme that's just been announced uh, to, to try and get an early feel for um, what the SMEs in, in really Sydney and Melbourne, largely Sydney, just to get a, a preliminary read on, on their response to it. Um, so there's another survey that I can share with you, Matt, to, to share with your, your audience to try and, and get some, some more up-to-date uh, responses as well. 
that that'd be great because I, I guess you know what we've seen so far. It, it, it has been just such a fluid, um, changing environment and every day we wake up to something different. And, you know, again, all credit to the government. The crisis has been deepening, the situation has been changing, our realisation has been uh, moving forward. And so there has been an announce and tweak and announce and tweak. And it is important mm-hmm. to, to get out there and, as announcements are made, look at what the implication will be and then advocate for, for any additional changes, isn't it? That's right. And that's that's what we've been doing and, and will continue to do. Like we just had a, a team call uh, right before this one and uh, in the space of us talking, another couple uh, of announcements kind of came out or responses to existing uh, schemes, like one in relation to, to tenancies um, and then another uh, in relation to small business loans. But, you know, these things are coming thick and fast and what we want to do is make sure that we're interpreting them and communicating them as simply as possible so that people can can access the relief that is intended for them. So for, for our listeners, both live and download, what can they do? What, you know, how can we help get the message out? What, what, what's your call to action for, for us now? Our call to action is still um, to complete those surveys. So all, any piece of data does actually really help. Uh, in uh, in lobbying all levels of government, really. So there's, as I said, there's the three um, individual surveys on our website, and then this new uh, survey, which we only released uh, literally 24 hours ago, um, that is really helping us to better understand um, uh, the the more recent changes. So that's the key. Um, that's what we'd love some responses to our surveys. Well, we can certainly will certainly link to those surveys in the show notes um, and on the uh, the antidote page. Um, where can people follow you? Uh, you know, keep keep track. Is there a Facebook page? Is there a Twitter? Is there an Instagram? Yeah, we're we're trying. We're doing most things through our website. So keep our venues alive. And uh, there's where there was actually just a, a an article released in the shout just a, a couple of hours ago, but we're trying to um, funnel everything through the website and we do have other Facebook groups, but best to visit the website. It's all there. Beautiful. Sorry, yeah, well, Fran, even though it is Friday, um, if the if the chair is ringing you, then, um, you know, you've obviously, your, your work day is not, your work week is not, <laughs> not complete just yet. So we I'm a bit let you scared go. to call him. Bless him, Mike Rodriguez is killing it. <laughs> no, that's excellent. Uh, Fran, thanks very much for joining us on The Antidote. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us and for your support of the campaign. Pleasure. Thank you. Excellent. Um, it's good to see. Um, as I say, this is something that kind of was was on the cards, was on the go uh, as as a response to um, the the Queensland uh, the, the the Sydney lockout laws and. Uh, you know, look, I, I totally get, I guess, where some of the where both sides are, are coming from. Having um, had to spend a few night memorable nights um, in the cross in hotels in the cross, <laughs> um, it's it's just it's very different to say um, the valley in Queensland or uh, Hindley Street in uh, Adelaide, King Street in Melbourne. It's 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 so much more intense and intensified. So it's it really is something that requires a a, a, a unique approach. Um, so I, I, I really do hope that they um, that they can get somewhere. And as I say, I, I, what I was getting at was I really hope that when it's all over, that there is a little bit more slack given to them in terms of reinvigorating 
the nighttime economy. Absolutely, no doubt they'll be advocating. And talking about the nighttime economy and making sure that we have venues to go back to once it's all open, our next guest is uh, uh, Jill. Um, sorry, I'm having a mental blank on her. Jill Leatham. Leatham. Sorry, sorry I was going to say Lethleen, but that Leatham. is the Australian uh, <laughs> That's food John writer. Lethleen from the yeah, That's right. food writer. So, uh, <laughs> Restaurant who, critic. Who is the owner of the I don't know if he ever Woods, went to the mill. Um, in, in Brisbane. Uh, Jill, thank you very much for joining us. And sorry about that. <laughs> oh, it's all good. Happy days. <laughs> That's right. He stuffed up uh, Chris Lukianenko yesterday. So it's, you know... <laughs> You're not alone. You're not this special. This is why I get you hosting and I should never introduce. I should never be trusted with guests. Jill, well, thank you very much. I was waiting for you to throw to me. You know, while, and you, I'm supposed to pat it out and talk about the, the guests and then while well, you phone them and you're phoning them under the desk. <laughs> well, she's here now, Pete. She's here now. So, uh, hey, uh, Jill, just tell us a little bit about now. Anyone who's been to Brisbane um, for a bit of a craft beer tour would most possibly know uh, you from the mill, which was that beautiful old flour mill that you turned into a fantastic, uh, you know, celebration of all things craft. Just give us a quick, um, you know, explanation for why you moved from there and uh, a little bit about the woods. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, we were at the mill for um, just over five years, five and a half years. Um, unfortunately, um, when it came to lease renewal, our landlord was um, not being very um, forthcoming. Um, so we had a little bit of difficulties there because we ended up with two spaces, the front and the back. So we decided it was um, time to call it a day there. We had been looking at, well, we have another little venue in Belimba, so in the suburbs as well. And we had been looking to open another place anyway out in Mitchelton, which is the other side of the city for us. Um, a friend of mine loved the mill and was like, oh, this would be great out there. And I have to say, I'm as thankful as ever now that we have moved because um, I guess it would definitely be a different time in the valley at the moment um, to where we are kind of right now in the suburbs of Brisbane. It, it's an interesting thing because I've noticed that a couple of Brisbane bars, and I'm not sorry, I, can, I can't really speak for, for the rest of the country, but Brisbane bars that open up in let's call them green fields away from the ALH um, style pokey barns, um, you know, that, that just have good beer, good food and good service, but are much sort of more modest in their ambitions. They just seem to build a community around them. Yeah, I mean, to think that we're only here eight months is unbelievable, the amount of support we've got and how much already um, people are fighting um, to keep us alive as their neighbourhood bar. They're kind of like, we've waited such a long time to have something like this here. Um, that people are just, um, I mean, the support has been unreal. Um, I mean, I guess we've also been lucky that we've brought support and we've got all of the regular beer guys still traveling and picking up beers when we've got something super special on but the local guys um yeah they've just been hanging out to have somewhere um like the woods thankfully um in their neighborhood so yeah that's been great so how have you guys adjusted because i guess that you're not open for seated dinners or anything like that at the moment yeah, no, I guess like everybody else, um, it was a big adjustment, I guess. And, and for Brisbane venues, it happened, I guess, at um, a crazy time, mid-Bruce Vegas. We pretty much got shut down. So we were lucky enough. We'd had a couple of really big events um, that had went really well. And then we started to, you know, get the feel that it, was, it wasn't going to end well. Um, we had a big, as we always do, have a big um, garage project party for a wrap-up of Bruce Vegas. So we had that planned for the last Sunday, which was when we had the four square metres per person in force. So we went from having the weekend before we had probably 
close to 250 people all day at our Brazil Zealand event down to maximum capacity for the whole venue 48 people so that was a big that was a big change for us um we we after the sunday we sort of took a couple of days to you know kind of work out what was happening um and then yeah just reassessed um changed up our food menu a little bit um so that i guess it was more um takeaway style um because we have a sort of restaurant style at night in our venue which isn't the easiest thing to do takeaway you know steaks to order and that type of thing um so yeah we changed that up um just had a chat with the team and you know i'm lucky that i've got a lot of great people that have been with me for many years and some new great people that have just joined the team as well and we all got on board and worked out something that would mean we could keep everybody working um as best we could um yeah and sort of went forward with that um I have to say the OLGR or Liquor and Gaming giving us the opportunity to do a takeaway is just massive. I guess without that, we would probably be shutting the doors. Um, I don't think we could um, compete against, I guess, just other takeaway venues if you don't have that, you know, that's something else. Or I guess the thing that kept us our identity, you know, having those beers and the nice wines and that type of thing. So, I mean, that's been a massive, um, a massive game changer, I think, for a lot of little um, venues, people on restaurant licenses and small bars, being able to do that takeaway. Um, yeah, and we just tried to adapt as best we could. We had some absolute cracker beers in our cauldron, so we got a little um, can machine, and we've just been cranking out cans and doing some awesome little mixed four packs for everybody to take away when they pick up their food. It, it's an interesting one uh, because. I have to admit, we do love having a go at uh, the Office of Liquor and Gaming in Queensland because, yeah. you know, they, they they manage to get it wrong so, so often. But then in a time of crisis like this, they really have seemed to respond and been open to working with venues to, to, to try and give them the best chance. Oh, yeah. I mean, for us, that was, I guess, yeah, just like life-saving when that came out. It was like a massive sigh of relief because we were just like, how, how will we operate? I mean, how does... How does a venue operate when they have all that alcohol and that's their main thing that they sell to suddenly go that you can't do that? It's just, I mean, there's just not a, a version where we would have survived, I don't think, on just food alone. Um, so, I mean, that was a massive relief. And to be fair, it feels like they're constantly trying to work with us. I mean, there was lots of updates and it was hard because it felt like the goalpost moved every day or they'd send something out and then... It might get narrowed slightly, but at the same time, I guess we just try to take all the positives out of that and just, you know, find a way to keep moving forward. Um, in fact, at one point last week, I felt like I was being too positive because I was like, I think everything's going to be okay, guys. And everyone's like, really? Um, but it was just like that light of them giving us an opportunity to find a model. And just, I guess that's the the benefit of having your own small business is you can move as quick as you can move and you can shift and change and can be like, guys, this is what we're going to do. Is everyone with us? And if the team's with you, then it's easy to shift direction. And, you know, the focus stays the same. We're trying to get good food and good booze out to our customers and our little neighborhoods. And we've been so lucky that people have just kept turning up and, you know, ordering online and popping up. And, yeah, it's been great. Jill, what sort of numbers are we talking about in terms of your your, your kitchen staff and then obviously your your bar staff? Yeah, well, so I've kept uh, I've kept all my full time guys on. So we've got um, five full time at the woods, five full time in the kitchen, um, and three full time in the bar. So we're all still working. Um, which, you know, it's probably been a blessing that we've been doing the canning because it's a little bit labor intensive. So it sort of gives us something to do during the day when it's not as busy, <laughs> yeah. like a little bit of prep. I mean, the kitchen guys have always got prep to do. Um, so that's good. Um, our casuals, we had to wind back, which is obviously hard. Um, but we've got, I guess, people have been understanding and we're trying to obviously work and hope 
that the job keeper that we'll be eligible for and can bring back all those guys as well. And we're sort of looking that that might be an opportunity for us then to branch out next week and do deliveries. Like if we can bring our casual guys back and then that would give them a job and, you know, just try and step up the model, you know, once we've got this part down nailed um then yeah look at doing the deliveries next time and sort of bring all the team back um which has been really great um revenue wise like we've probably in that first week um dropped at least 50 percent of our revenue um and uh, i imagine that there's probably more to come like more to drop off um we were calling last friday um pity burger night that we had so <laughs> many customers <laughs> order burgers from us it was at one point i was like oh my god we can't keep up um but you know pity burgers can't go on forever um or maybe they can i don't know but um so i guess it's that's the hard part is is trying to work out what's sustainable in this new model that we've found ourselves in um like i'd like to hold that you know we can make it through six months and just keep adjusting trade as we need to or you know trying to find new ways to keep um, things relevant for customers um and obviously safer safe for customers and safe for staff and i guess those things are a little bit unknown as you know things with the virus may change and hopefully we've done enough that um we don't see any more spikes but i guess that's when you look at other countries that part's still unknown so yeah it's hard you're trying to plan a few weeks ahead of time but you can only work day to day i mean even when my chef head chef was just wrapping up there at lunch she's like do i order for monday do you reckon we'll still be open (laughs) for the time being yeah i do so you know we just gotta take those small steps together i I hadn't even considered that because things are changing so quickly even just ordering from uh, from day to day or from friday to monday must be such an incredible challenge yeah, I mean, and especially because of lately, the announcements have come sort of late on a Sunday night. So it's, you know, it's not an easy time to then adjust orders if you've already got stuff coming for trade on Monday or, you know, you want the baker to make be making fresh bread. So, yeah, that's been like that, that line of not having too much, just having enough and being able to, I guess, to be nimble enough to, you know, work with that. Um but like I said, customers have been super supportive. And if we're out of something, like they just adjust and we try and do something else. So I think the, I guess it's everyone's affected. So the understanding is much greater, I think, than it would be normally. Yeah. Yep. Well, Jill, part of the reason that Matt and I decided to, to do this whole thing called The Antidote was um, rather than to, uh, I guess, allow, you know, the wallowing in gloom and doom. It was to sort of to, to shine a bit of a light in the darkness and to um, share some tips and, and I guess pump people's tyres up and blow a bit of sunshine up people's skirts. And uh, so I don't <laughs> yeah. know whether you're, whether you're in the chat room or not, but a, a couple of our uh, uh Listeners in the followers in the chat room. Uh, wow, one of my top fave people in Brizzy, Gillian Latham, the, oh, god, the godmother of craft. Now, this is <laughs> these people wish to remain anonymous, so we, you know we'll keep it anonymous. The godmother of craft, uh, best event ever with her. Riot, riot wine versus Revel from Timmy oh, Fish. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, there was Tim Fishwick who was probably trying to sell us some wine, and we'll soon be trying to sell us some uh, exactly. White Bay Brewing. And then, uh, I'm sure we'll have some of his beer soon. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then Luke Phillips. Second, that Jill is an absolute legend so hopefully that just you know just makes your day 
and you're, you know, finishes oh, off your week on a high. It's, it's all, it, that's always nice to hear positive stuff like that. And I think the other thing that's been really nice for me is, is, um, you know, it, like I've been hit up by a lot of guys locally, like when we got the cannon machine, they're like, oh, oh where'd on. you get it? What do you do? And <laughs> hit I guess, up, being... hit on. <laughs> no. um, but it was good to be able to be like, um, share that information. And, you know, I guess it's like trying to be like things that have worked well for us. You try and pass it out around the community to be like, oh, well, this is working. This isn't working. This is what we've tried. Have you guys used this app? And there's a lot of sharing still going on like that. So, you know, you try to think that hopefully we come out of this you know, stronger again as like a little beer community in Brisbane. Yeah, exactly. Uh, listen, do you yeah. take imports? Because we've also had um, a third it from me, absolute legend. That's from Mick Hulse. P.S. Have you got any jobs going? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe soon if the delivery takes off. <laughs> hey, Jill, just one quick question before we let you go. It is, we're still very early and you know, we can't even see the um, horizon just yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for, for, for the things that you're doing, you know, is there anything you're doing now that you sort of think, well, maybe actually once once we uh, keep going, we might keep doing this, like we might keep delivering or things like that? Have uh, you started... Yeah, we've definitely started thinking about that. And one of the things that we had found ourselves in is we've been open at the woods, like I said, for about nine months. And we were just about to move into the shop next door. We were actually meant to get the keys last week to start food out. Um, now, we kindly asked our landlords if we could put that on pause for, you know, um, a week or two, maybe a month or two, until we sort of found out where we are. Um, but, yeah, it's it's I guess in a way it came at a good time because it's allowed us to think, you know, how does the model change going forward and what is you know the day-to-day going to be like six months after this i mean obviously the impacts are going to be felt for a long time after and job losses and that's to be expected so you know hospitality as we know it might not be quite the same when we come back for at least the the short period after so yeah we're definitely thinking you know we were going down the plan of having like a little wine cocktail bar down there and sort of pushing out the restaurant side but yeah now we're thinking do we put a second kitchen in the back that's a little takeaway kitchen you know do we try and get the bottle shop license and you know try and push this on and keep this side of it going because then there's you know there's going to be people that won't be able to come out to venues and spend that money as often as they may have before so yeah look we definitely hope that the takeaway um lasts and that maybe OLGR have a look at that and see that you know it hasn't impacted the bottle shops maybe as much as they always thought it would people that want to go there will still go there for that product but people that were looking for something a little bit niche might be better serviced by some of the smaller bars or restaurants um so yeah we're definitely looking forward and thinking we probably got lucky at the time that we haven't quite started next door and it can allow us to change our model and sort of look to the future to what best it's you know our little neighborhood and what will those guys be looking for in the future now one thing i sorry my second question before i let you go i can't remember when it seems like a month ago now but it was probably only early last week you guys did the buy a bar tab where you could buy we did and i think someone here may have bought one which is very generous of them um so yeah we did it was actually um one of our customers um hit us up and was like oh what can we do how can we support you um can we arrange an event that we can buy tickets for in the future and we tried to think um yeah tried to think of a way and yeah and then he had a few beers and came back to me and he was like <laughs> what about you buy a bar tab in advance um so i was like oh yeah awesome so we put that up and we had a massive response to that um so a lot of our again locals in the area and regulars from the mill and beyond um 
participated. Um, and we had people coming into the venue as well as buying online, um, which meant we managed to raise a few thousand dollars, um, which then when we actually did get shut down and have to wind back the casuals, meant we had like a little pool of money. So what we've done is all the buy a bar tab funds have been set aside for casuals. So until they, you know, get job keeper or job seeker sorted out for them, those guys went from, you know, on average working between 50 and 15, sorry, and 25 hours a week for us and have just lost their income. So it meant that we've just kind of left it there sitting and as the guys, you know, need it, they can just borrow from that money and, you know, gives them something to tide over. So we had one of the guys, you know, just had a few bills or he was moving house and he didn't have the bond money now that he thought he had because he thought he'd be working for another couple of weeks. So, I mean, that was great um, that, you know, customers have allowed us to support those guys in the short term while we, you know, work out what happens in the slightly longer term. So that was a great initiative from, yeah, like I said, one of our customers um, that everybody really took to heart. And it was a great, you know, so for businesses that maybe don't have drive-throughs or, um, you know, like I'm thinking of Sunshine Coast Craft Beer Tours, for example, you know, those sorts yeah. of businesses, buying a gift voucher now gives yeah. them their cash flow. Yeah, that's um, it, yeah. And another thing is, 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 is unlikely that everybody will come and redeem that on the same day. So, do you know, that's staggered back out for our business for hopefully a few weeks, maybe a month or two when we open back out as well. So, do you know, you're not going to get hit all in one day if it was tickets for an event or something like that. Um, like yeah, a campaign it was, it was to get everybody that bought a bar tab to arrive on the day you open. <laughs> they probably will <laughs> i imagine that will be a good day we look forward to that day we wouldn't mind if he did but um yeah it's just uh it was great it just meant it was another and i think as well the other thing that was really positive with that as well was the the staff the team just saw like how well appreciated they were and you know how much everybody wanted to make sure that when this all you know wraps up and we come out the other side that the woods it's it's still part of their day-to-day Thanks. lives and their little neighborhood bar yeah Excellent. And um, thank you, uh, Gilliam, because you're just in throwing in the other side, you've just completed band words bingo for uh, this episode of The Antidote. So well done. And listen, in in a delicious uh, synchronicity, you'll also be very happy to know that um, on each of these episodes, we try to nominate an isolation icon. So someone that through social media, uh, somebody's discovered who just sort of brightens our day just by doing something silly or, you know, genuine, wholesome, whatever it might be. And today is uh, Janie Godley, who's a a Glasgow stand-up comedian. Um, oh yeah, know, yeah. Familiar with her her fine work. Um, yes. But her her overdubs of uh, uh, particularly of Nicola Sturgeon's um, you know health warning. Yeah, I've seen that. Great. Yeah. So it was it was it was serendipitous that today we have you on and uh, and Janie <laughs> Godley is also our isolation icon. Oh, awesome! Happy days. Excellent, Jill. Thanks very much for joining us on the antidote, and all the best for the future. Yeah, you too, guys. Thanks very much. Now, bye. Thanks, Jill. Excellent. Um, really, yeah, look, uh, it's funny how um, the situation changes, how we look at things, but also how we, uh, I guess, approach, uh, dare I say, the other side. But, you know, I, I'm very interested to see what happens with lots of different businesses and how they change their business model uh, as a result of, of what they've learned that they, you know, can actually do. And it was interesting that uh, Jill spoke about um, sort of, I guess, the, the government side of things. Can, can we give a bit of a teaser for um, for next week, Matt? Uh, are, are, we, are we hoping to get perhaps... 
Absolutely. We, we've got interest in having uh, the Queensland Minister for Beer, uh, Cameron Dick, uh, to come on. And Queensland a... Minister for Beer? Well, he... he um... He specialised his portfolio. <laughs> no, no. That's the last that, time I spoke to him. That's, that's my um, nickname for him because he, um, yeah, he's the <laughs> Minister for in, 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 Industry Development. Um, and he was the person who really championed the craft beer um, strategy uh, for, for Queensland. So... Um, I started calling him the Minister Beer, but yeah, I thought, and I, I don't know whether he's going to come on. Um, we've certainly pitched it to him, and his people are talking to their people, and you know, eventually uh, is it, uh, are his people speaking to our people? Well, because we can't do lunch. <laughs> I am our people, but uh, <laughs> I, I just would be a really nice way to, you know, sick sick Claire onto him. He, he won't <laughs> be able, he won't be able to say no. I think he's scared of Claire. Um, we're, we're all scared of Claire, but hey, anyway, Claire, um, Claire, boom, boom, Burnett. Everyone is scared of Claire. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, didn't want to get him on to sort of lobby him or have a go at anything. Just, I, I sort of was wondering, you know, government um, is is a big organisation, and how would it be being a minister who's trying to keep keep departments alive, you know, keeping business alive, supporting them? Everyone's crying out for assistance. And yet you're in social isolation and trying to do all of that. So it was really more just a chance to hopefully check in with uh, the, the, the minister and find out how they're going through all of this and, uh, you know, how they're managing it and making it all work. You know, um. Because, look, they are, they're an easy target. It's, it's very easy for people to, um, to see the two minutes you get publicly each day, whether it's a, an update or... Um, a little Facebook post or whatever it might be and go, oh, you're not doing enough. Oh, why aren't you doing this? And nobody sees the work that's going on in the background. Yeah. Um, and, and not just, you know, the, the, the minister is the is the public face of it, but their staff too, uh, I'm imagining, will be fielding so many more calls um, and inquiries and calls for assistance um, than they normally would. Absolutely. And, yeah, look, and... Uh, certainly, we've uh, we, we've taken the long stick to the Queensland government and other governments on time, but you know, credit where credit's due, they are really doing their best. And also, it's a shit job. Who, you know, seriously, who, who'd want to do it? So, you know, give give them a chance. That's it. The, the best you can hope for is that fifty one percent of the um, people don't hate you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, look, we better wrap this up. Speaking of um, not people who hate us, um, got some interesting stuff to, to chat about, and we've got some interesting people to speak to next week. Uh, but as we've said, um, we hope these conversations become a bit of an antidote to the uncertainty and the isolation that current conditions can bring. We're, we're hoping we can keep these chats going. If you guys know somebody that we need to speak to, or you'd like to uh, offer something to, to share with our listeners, contact us at producer at or get in touch with us through a comment on the Facebook page. Exactly. Uh, Matt, thanks very much again. And thank you to the 24, I think we peaked at today. A few of, obviously, it's Friday, so I guess, you know, people have got to go for their other other knockoff beers. And I think um, it's great to see that, uh, and a shout out to Mick Hulse um, for the, the whole virtual beer garden um, concept. Uh, I know he's just jumped out of one and, and into ours, which is great. Uh, and I appreciate that, you know, it's Friday. It is actually Friday physically, so a lot of people have probably got better things to do. Um, enjoy yourselves. Take care of yourselves. But more, infor- more importantly, look after yourself and each other. Um, thanks, Matt. Thank you, Pete. Um, we'll do it again on Monday. We will. Enjoy your weekend.